Good evening. Five past five. If you've just finished work, this is going to be eventful this next hour and a half, let me tell you. Uh, because it's extra time time. We're obviously with uh, Dave Downey from uh, uh, the Everton Blue Room. Uh, Neil's here. Just uh, just uh, rushing into the studio, obviously dealing with the press downstairs at, uh, here at St John Beacon as he enters into the building to come and talk to us, obviously, about his, uh, his team's escapades over the weekend. Uh, obviously from the Anfield Rap, Neil. Uh, Lowe's not with us this week. He said to me last week when he finished the show, oh, mate, I enjoyed that. We'll definitely come back. We'll be definitely on the show. But he's just texted Dave Downey. The reason why he's not on the show, Dave, is... He's doing yoga as part of his rehab. Got it, weren't you? Got it, got to get... He sent me a winky face as well with Did that. It? Yeah, that's, so... That's a little bit wrong. Tell you it is he's... wrong. It, it indicates that he's enjoying it. It's, I, I, I'm looking at Ryan Lowe and I'm thinking tantric. Slashing it off. <laughs> 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 He'll enjoy that, though. I think yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a, a boost to his uh, ego, you say. Like that, sting. <laughs> Honestly, mate, he comes in here with all of these, uh, like, you know, skin conditioners and stuff like that. Tries to sell you them and everything every week. Is he? Honestly, love Does he yeah. have his own market stuff? Oh, yeah, yeah, he loves it. <laughs> Comes in with all these moisturisers and, uh, you know, foundations and all this. Yeah, yeah it's brill cream Lowy, and all that. Lowy, yeah. if you're listening, come and defend yourself, mate. You're welcome back on the show <laughs> at any point, pal. Any point. Uh, we're going to start red, all right? Yep, fine. Okay, let's get stuck straight in there, shall we? Uh, I've just been speaking to the Echo. We spoke to another uh, uh, fan in Paul Smith Jr. earlier on. Um, and a couple of things that we discussed was obviously the manager's press conference after the game, of which he said uh, it's, a it's a step in the the right direction. A step in the right direction drawing at home to Norwich City. Where are you at with that? It's true. Uh, because it's, obviously it's not a defeat. It's not a defeat and also because Liverpool played quite well. I think if this football match happens, in fact I think if all of Liverpool's matches happen in this order, uh, with exactly the same performances and exactly the same outcomes, if Liverpool had sacked Brendan Rodgers in the summer and brought another chap in and he does exactly the same thing, then that Liverpool side gets clapped off against Norwich. That's what happens. I mean, I remember some the the, the early part of when Rafa Benitez came to Anfield. Um, there were, you know, there was there were some pretty ropey performances, but people were mostly upbeat because you can go. I can see what this is meant to be. I can see what it's meant to become. I can see that more chances are being created. The issue that you've got, the issue that Brendan Rodgers has got, is that it's the start of his fourth season. Mm -hmm. So you're not in the position to really be able to go, well, you know, this is, we, we've been here before. And even if we've been here before, and this is the 2-2 against Arsenal last December, which is the game actually reminded me of whilst it was going in terms of the fact that the 2-2 against Arsenal last December, Liverpool had just gone to three at the back. Um, they played reasonably well, created a ton of chances, deserved to win the game, but ended up just drawing it. Then, and from there, they then went on a, on a run where they were unbeaten for the following 12 games and looked quite impressive. Yeah. So that it reminded me of that game. But the point about that is that game was then followed by a dreadful run of form that end of the season. And you've got this issue, really, which if, if you're Brendan Rodgers, which is that people are sort of OK with you being Lazarus. You don't really get to be Lazarus twice. Uh, you know, I've, I've written in, yeah. uh, in a match review I've written today, which is this idea that no one's really that happy if, you know, if Lazarus does the Lazarus thing and then a few weeks later goes to the walking centre and says he's got a bit of a temperature and then before you know where he is, he's going to triage and then suddenly he's in life support. And then if Lazarus then sits up again and says, and pulls the catheter out and says, I'm ready, I'm feeling great, yeah. no one's giving the bed away. Absolutely. And this is the this is the problem that Rodgers has got. It was always going to be the problem, which was the first setback that he was going to have this season. The pressure was going to come absolutely right back on. He's actually had two quite significant setbacks the performance as well as the result against West Ham was an issue I think if Liverpool basically beat West Ham and then have this frustrating result against yeah. Norwich even with the United defeat in yeah. there and that performance yeah, yeah. everyone says yeah alright the problem is that firstly you're, you're already the very thing we talk, we spoke about before a ball was kicked this season on this show we were talking about the idea of beating the bottom 10 
home and away. Well, West Ham are possibly going to be in the bottom ten, though they are the best away team in Europe, and no one knew. Um, there's that, but also, you know, Norwich are going to be in the bottom ten, and Liverpool should be scoring more than one goal. But then, if you're Brendan Rodgers and he's sitting here right where Dave is, he'd say, "Yeah, but I can't control." what the lads do when they're, you know, I can set them up in a manner which allows them to create chances, yeah. and they created a load of chances, but if Philip Coutinho, when he could just square it for Danny Ings, or could just blather it of course, the back yeah. of the net, doesn't do that, what do you want me to do about it? And that's always a valid, of course. That's a valid point. And so I can see why Rodgers can look at it and go, because he's right, it is a step forward. I think there's no, it is a step forward. I think there's still more that needs to be done. If you're going to play that shape, there's going to be a constant question mark about what the opponents are going to do against you, and if you can get enough men into the box, mm-hmm. if you're going to create enough chances. But Liverpool did create enough chances what they didn't do though was convert those yeah. chances and I think that the issue around that is that there's nerves everywhere right. and I think that that's, that's knocked onto the players and there's a very clear way to solve those nerves because the reason why there's nerves is because the pressure that the manager's under yeah. so you can solve that by, the, that by the manager not being under that pressure anymore by virtue of the fact that he's not the manager that's a way to solve that Yeah. so the other way to solve that though is well, you, you get 2-0 up you get three 0 up, Absolutely. and then everyone relaxes. Absolutely, and Liverpool failed to do that. So you you mentioned then on the on the show previously about his own personal confidence, not the team's confidence, but his own personal confidence of the way he goes mm. about playing. Now he's reverted back to a three at the back. He obviously then create that creates width with Moreno and Klein uh, at, at the weekend, um, and people have obviously spoke about having a plan B because you need a plan B don't you this is obviously his plan A what we saw yesterday um, I think this I've, is his plan B well, well we've seen him previously have three at the back where Chance played in that back line yeah, and yeah. bringing the ball out then you've got your wide boys you have your midfielders and all that type of stuff and the two up front but I don't think this is the way he wants to play football but this is the way that he's working for that side obviously because they played a lot better yesterday compared to what they did against West Ham yeah yeah but I think this is the plan B though I think that the, I think I think his ideal way to play is 4-3-3 I think he likes 4-3-3 I just think that 4-3-3 does he have the personnel to play it though? Does he have the play- does he have the personnel to play three at the back? Because I don't think, for instance, um, I don't think Nathaniel Klein's a right midfielder. And I think you're you're really being hopeful if you think he is a right midfielder. And I think I think three at the back suits Moreno. I think it suits Sacco. I think it really suits Emre Chan. Uh, but I don't think it suited necessarily Milner. I thought Milner was very poor. Yeah. I don't think it suits Milner to be in that midfield two. Mm. I don't think it suits Milner to be in that midfield two with Lucas. I think a midfield two generally suits Lucas, but I don't know if this one necessarily suits him. And I don't think it suits Nathaniel Klein. And I'm, I would question whether or not it entirely suits Coutinho, to be honest with you. It obviously helps you get a front two on the pitch, though, yeah. and I think that that suits the front two. So... I think this is his plan B, but then I think Liverpool finished the game with a diamond, and a front two looked to me like more of a diamond in the end, and I think that this is back to the idea of... I think the most important thing is, I think it's very difficult from now not to play a front two. And I think that Liverpool need to play a front two. I think that Liverpool's football makes sense a lot more with two forwards on the pitch, mm-hmm. two forwards playing the central forwards. So I think you're going to see if they're both fit, Sturridge and Benteke. I think you're going to see if Danny Ings plays. I think Danny Ings has now made enough of a case for himself to be playing through the middle and leading the line mm-hmm. in there. And then I think you're working out coming back from that point as to what it is that you want and where you want your players to be. And I think... From that, therefore, you go with. You, I'm happy to go with a three. I'm happy to go with a four and a diamond. I think the key thing is to have a front two, and I think Liverpool need to be quite clever as to how they switch between the two shapes. I think it's important for Liverpool to be able to switch between the two shapes because mid match as well, yeah. Sort mid match to a certain extent, but I think just have that element of surprise because I think you can set a side up quite easily to exploit the gaps in a back three uh, with wing backs. I think that you can find little little ways to do it, and I think that when you've got the element of surprise with a back three, it can work quite well. But what you saw last season. 
Liverpool went to Swansea and Swansea for the first half were much the better side. Rodgers changed it at half-time and then Liverpool were the better side second half and deserved the three points. The next game after that though was when Van Gaal brought his United side to Anfield and they just unpicked a back three. Mm. They just showed you how you play against a back three. Absolutely, yeah. And then Liverpool went to went to Arsenal, did the same thing and Wenger again showed this is this is these are the areas of the pitch we play in to make your life difficult Absolutely, for you. Yeah. So you set up against that and you know what you're getting. But if Liverpool might play four and a diamond next week and then the week after they might go back to a back three and then they might go to four and a diamonds, well what you're doing there is you're making it harder for mm. the opposition manager. Do you to have go. good enough players to be able to do that? Absolutely, though? yeah. I mean that, those players are there. Uh, I, I think you, there's as many people who suit four and a diamonds as suit uh, th- three at the back. Mm. It suits Klein to be in a back th- to be in a four and a diamond at right back. You can go then with with Skirtle and Sacco and then you probably you, you pick between Gomez and Moreno depending if you're home or away. Basically midfield is, is Lucas or Emre Chan. I thought Emre Chan was much improved uh, yesterday. I think it's his best performance of the season. In front of them, Lallana's comfortable in a diamond. Uh, when you side. say that though, he played in the back. He was in the back three yesterday. Yeah, yeah but uh, second. But as the game wore on, when they went to a four, he went into midfield. He right. did a bit better. I'd still rather play Lucas at the, at the base of a diamond. But Emre Chan's making a making Neil, a point. Just, just on Lucas, and, and, and this is probably part of the plan B thing you're referring to, Adam. It looked like he was on his way out, didn't it, Lucas? Initially, yeah. um, now there seems to be a huge reliance upon him. I'm, I'm thinking, not not to sort of throw daggers at, at Rodgers any more than he needs to be that needs to be done. But would that not be something he should be looking at addressing in the summer? The fact that well, Lucas is his go-to man all of a sudden in midfield and when, for two seasons on the spin. Exactly, it's been and, like that, hasn't it? Yeah, you, but and he was team. knackered against Arsenal. Wasn't he? Young Rosses to come on. We've had that yeah, discussion yeah. before. And he was knackered, he was knackered on seventy. He, he comes off on seventy because he's Why knackered. Is, but, but, but if, if I'm Brendan Rodgers, I would have made the contingency in the summer mm-hmm. to think that would not be the case. Don't you think that contingency is Joe Allen? And Joe Allen's injured, and this is where the contingency is. Joe Allen, Joe Allen's injured. All right, the contingency looked at times like we started the season wanting to have Henderson as the deepest midfielder. Mm. Henderson's injured, and this is where again Rogers has had his issues, and, and I can completely understand why people who are calling for a change are calling for a change. But he's in a situation. He's been in a situation this season where he's missed. He's already missed Lallana. He's missed Allen. He's missed Henderson, who all do sort of who can all do reasonably similar things within a central area of the pitch to some degree, and all I think would played for instance at Manchester United ahead of Emre Chan, so that puts Emre Chan fourth on the list, so I think if Joe Allen's fit the midfield yesterday is probably Allen and Milner for right or wrong I think it's probably Allen and Milner I think Allen's probably ahead of, ahead of Lucas in the queue uh, in, in a couple of these games, again right or wrong but that's what I think the way in which I think mm. the manager looks at it because I think Allen retains the ball better than Lucas, though Lucas can do the mucky stuff a little bit better, but those lads are there, but he just hasn't got the luxury of them at the yeah. moment because they're either out with injuries or just coming back with an injury. Yeah. And sometimes I think sometimes squads can look a little weaker than they are because if you get th- you can say well, we've only got four injuries, but we look really threadbare. With three of your four injuries are all they're in the, the same, same position. position. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone absolutely. looks threadbare. Yeah. Well, it, it was interesting listening to him. You talk about the confidence thing, his personal confidence, and listening to his interview. I, I had to edit this weekend uh, on Friday. This was before the news broke of Henderson being out for so long, and he was so upbeat about getting. Henderson obviously in storage as well back into the squad mm. but he was talking the media would ask him about how much of a linchpin Henderson is yeah. obviously captain of the side now as well which well he's become a leader hasn't he he has and, and it goes unmentioned because you know for some reason obviously because Gerard was the last captain people obviously <coughs> he's got big shoes to fill in, in that regard but the questions asked about Henderson and, and he was so upbeat about getting him back in the side he said you know the place is buzzing a little bit now with having him back in training and things like that then you get that killer blow on Saturday I mean that that takes some overcoming if you if you think the things are better now that you, no, you skip yeah. back in the side. You, that Henderson 
totally changes the dynamic Liverpool, doesn't it? When he plays, and the dressing room must have been slightly deflated. Exactly, going out the pitch. and there's your confidence knocked straight away. Of course, but then this is, for instance, I, I, and there's other stuff that you can do. If you've got Henderson in there, for instance, you can make the move whether you would do it or not to put Milner right wing back. Well, and I was impressed, Sonny Neil. I, I was impressed first game of the season with Stoke how Henderson and Milner sort of interchanging that role of being the whole midfielder. I thought that, that that was something for Liverpool to work on and have them both in there. And you, you think same with Bournemouth exactly in the, in the, in the brief half that they were doing. Henderson frees a hell of a lot. More mm. players up to, with him in that position, and he's so good at the job play, himself. And exactly. he can play ball, yeah. But I think that that's, for instance, when we were playing the um, Lucas was really important when we first went to the back three and had Lucas last season. But then Lucas gets himself an injury when we go to Goodison, uh, finishes 0 0, Joel and comes on. And then for the next little run of games, for instance, when we beat City 2 0 at home or 2 1 at home, sorry, mm. it's um, it's Allen and Henderson in the middle of the mid that, that midfield. And Joe Allen was excellent against Manchester City. It's a game when you would have thought he could have been overrun, mm. where you know the, the, the greater size and strength of City, Allen was excellent. Yeah. But I think that I think that Milner and Lucas I think that Milner covers a lot of ground. I think Lucas is very clever. I think the two of them together it's just a little one paced. And I think that but if it's Allen and Henderson, it's less one paced. Mm. But I also think that there's an issue, there's a general issue. I like I've said before, I like to look at I one of the things I do when I when I look at any team sheets is I go, likely scorers. One to, one to seven, which are likely scorers. Mm. And one of the issues, I think, with, with playing three at the back is it means you're getting out of your likely scorers a little earlier. So yesterday, it's, it's Sturridge, Benteke, uh, you know, from the start at 11. Sturridge, Benteke... And you know and you know from that that Sturridge isn't going to last the 90 minutes because he's just coming back. Exactly. It's, it's so impossible for him to do that. So maybe, maybe then, you know, you're able to drop Ings in, but the point is you go Sturridge, Benteke, uh, Coutinho, Milner... Mm. And then maybe uh, maybe a, maybe a corner threat or something yeah, like that. Whereas I think that you want one more, and I think that that's the, that's the general problem with that shape is that you sort of I I always feel like you want attacking body short. You want one more, and this comes back to my Coutinho thing, which I like. I want Coutinho with three ahead of him and not just with two. And again, that's what happens in that shape. But then, if you know, there is an argument to say, could you just go Lucas Coutinho? Can you just do that? Can you just go Lucas Coutinho mm. and put Milner on the right? That's that that you could do that if you certainly if you were trying to chase the game, if you wanted to try and try and ch- turn the game. You could do that, and then suddenly you've got that little bit more, and then you've got Firmino in front, and then you've got a front two, and then you're thinking, oh, we've got options. Mm. But to do that, though, you've got to be bold, and you've got to, you know, it's it's, it's a difficult thing. Can and he be, th- can he be bold at this moment in time? Well, I think he's got to be because I think if he doesn't get be bold, he's going to get sacked. So there's options. What, so, what 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 is the quickest way that he gets sacked at the moment? Neil, do you lose to Aston Villa and he's gone, or would it be the derby? Uh, I think I think he can. There's every chance he can survive past the derby as well. To be honest, so? yeah, without, without winning either of those without games, a win, without a win, I think he can. Yeah, I think I, th- I think that there's. You don't know what FSG are thinking. FSG wants to keep Hodgson on for as long as they did, but I think also, if F- I, there's a pure logical thing. I think that there's issues around how the supporters feel, but there's a pure logical thing is that you know for the people who backed him in the summer to you know after six league games to pull the trigger mm. it does not feel very 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 early and then there's all sorts of imponderables and unknowns like for instance have Liverpool already are they already sounding people out and do they want the job because mm. I think and I was there's actually a, a chap who's having an argument w- without me present on this on Twitter but I, I personally because I'm, <laughs> I'm not engaging with it but I personally believe Liverpool uh, being Liverpool manages the hardest job in club football uh, world oh, it's a, yeah, it, world club football I agree with that because I think you're going to say for instance well you know if you don't win the league with Real Madrid you yeah. get sacked but if you Real Madrid you've got the best players in the world if you don't win the league with Liverpool eventually you get sacked mm. and you, you, yeah. you've never got the best players you've never got the best players in the league well, the thing you've is never you, got that you can go you can go to Real Madrid, win the league, and then still get sacked. Exactly. That, that, that's the problem. With, with Liverpool, it's just a re- repeated, and it's 24-7. You, you know, Adam, having come to this city now, how intense oh, absolutely, yeah. this place is. Well, is it, is it too heavy for him? Is that, is that, is that uh, a question? Think, well, it's not too... It nearly killed Gerard Houllier. 
it's um, a fact. Yeah, it's it's a fact. Uh, it completely changed Rafa Benitez. The second stint, it completely changed Kenny Dalglish. You know, you look at the Dalglish that comes through the door to the one who leaves. The the the, the, the personalities, the way in which they interact yeah. with people, completely different in that second stint. Yeah. Um, this this is what this job does. Forget him for a second. This is what the Liverpool job does. And if you wonders for Hodgson, though. Uh, well, and if you're Carlo, <laughs> if you're Carlo Ancelotti, to use Carlo Ancelotti as an example, you've only ever won three leagues first and foremost before we get into anything else. But also. You're looking at that going, what, you want me to do that? Yeah, all the yeah. best. And so there's this idea, I think, yeah. at the minute amongst Liverpool supporters that, well, of course, X would come and do this. Why would you? Mm. When you could end up getting a Real Madrid job where you'll have Cristiano Ronaldo, Gareth Bale, other fantastic players if yeah. you back yourself. Yes, you can still, obviously, it's going to be intense. You can get sacked for very little. Same with Barcelona. Same with Bayern Munich. You know, all these jobs, I'm not saying that they're easy jobs. The problem with Liverpool is we all want you to come very close to winning the league and keep doing it. Mm. And you're not going to have the resources that you have at Manchester City or Chelsea you're going to be competing with these teams. Yes, you're the 10th richest team in Europe, but you're actually only the 5th richest team in England. There'll be an onus on you to qualify for the Champions League, but there's four teams who spend more on wages mm. above you. This is the pressure of this job. Whilst, because everybody wants Liverpool, it's the, in terms of trophies won, in terms of the domestic the domestic title, the second most successful side in the country's history, in terms of European trophies won, the most successful side in the country's history. This is what you're battling against. You're fighting against the great team that Rodgers built in 13-14. You're fighting against Benitez's team of 0809, you're fighting against Daglish's team of 87-88, and all those lads who won 18 other league titles, all them, you've got to try and be better than them, and that's what you come into as a manager, and that's where I think, and eventually, it does for everyone. Yeah. And it might be that it's done for Brendan Rodgers, but it's done for everyone since 1990. It's done for them in quite personal, exhausting ways. We did an interview with Roy Evans where he basically, you know, we all but said that he, you know, Luis Suarez made him fall in love with football again. Mm. But Roy Evans had been Liverpool manager since, you know, had been involved at Liverpool Football Club since the mid 60s. Then he becomes Liverpool manager, and it took Luis Suarez to pull him back to being, you know, to being yeah. fully engaged with Liverpool again because that's what being Liverpool manager does to you. It's no battle of laughs. Yeah. It's funny you say that Neil because he was he was referring to stuff like that in his press conference as well he was talking about uh, how the players look anxious playing at Anfield and he said you know how, how big of a thing it is for them playing at Anfield and, and you can get very nostalgic and sentimental about oh, absolutely, this yeah. but the, 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 the reality of it all is how difficult it is for these lads to embrace playing in front of a crowd well, they, so they, expensive they, they, well, well you, you, you they, just hear what Neil's reeled off there in the last two minutes Players have got to play for Liverpool with that in the background. Absolutely, and you walk out onto the pitch, you've, you've tapped the sign on the way out, they've, they've seen that as a kid from uh, whatever they've watched Liverpool over the years. Then, you, as, soon, as soon as you walk out on the pitch, the fans are singing you'll never walk alone. That, but that, that, that takes you to a different world, doesn't yeah. it? So it should, but it should be a positive thing. And I think absolutely, it should be a positive thing. For some people, when it could it's be not too going big. Well, when it's not going well, it goes the other way. That's but what I'm, he was saying, Neil. That's I, exactly what he was saying. But I'll give you another example quick before we go into the break. There's this, the, the, a fellow, someone who sits around me at the game, uh, someone, sorry, someone I know had someone who sits around him at the game, and I'm going to censor this because this isn't the exact language used, but we are on the radio, said something on the lines of, I've been watching this rubbish for 30 years and I'm sick of it. And, 30 years, 30 years ago was 1985, so we're about to win the league in 85, 86, and there's 87, 88, but the point is, is that this ground, league doubles, doubles, yeah, <laughs> the point is that there's people in this ground who have been watching Liverpool play for that long, who've seen really good Liverpool teams, less good Liverpool teams, but some of them couldn't have been watching Liverpool now for 25 years and watching them not win a league, mm. and one of the reasons why people, I think, are more and more frustrated, and one of the reasons why I think Rodgers is getting less and less time, that there's people who'd say he'd had too much time, but the reason why Rodgers is getting less and less sympathy, and he's getting less and less patience, is because there's people who are quite literally going to go mad, who are on some sort of scale of going to go mad, because Liverpool haven't won the league since 1990, and... This is, 
hugely a problem because firstly because the given the the now the the extent to which the financial doping, if you want to call it that, yeah. has kicked in post-Abramovich, post-City. It means that 13, 14, 08, 09, these years are exceptions. It is harder than ever in order to do it. And then all that, it doesn't take much. if Because the only way you're going to do it is by walking a tightrope. And the point about tightropes is they're dead easy to fall off. And the only way in which you can do this, if you're going to do this thing and really be able to challenge for the league title, not even win it, but challenge for the league title, is to walk a tightrope, to make loads of high-cost decisions. And if you go back to that 08-09 season, not even to 13-14, Liverpool win a lot of football matches in the last five minutes. A hell of a lot of football matches in the last five minutes. And the reason why for that is because the ma- he had a manager who was having to take constant gambles yeah. and play games long just and string them, them all on and just see what happens and yeah, hope yeah. for the best. And if that goes the other way, and you can look back at 8 9 and I have done recently, and there's a ton of games in there in the first third of the season where if it goes another way, it's just another frustrating Liverpool Benitez League season where we finish top four, have a decent European run. But what actually happens that year is the stars align to a certain extent. Liverpool begin to get certain results and momentum builds and builds mm-hmm. and builds and one of the problems that I think every Liverpool manager's got is they might get one season maybe two of the lucky where they get the momentum and it builds and builds and builds but if they don't and if they've done it before mm. they've then got a ground full of people going but this season's going nowhere lad what are you yeah. doing this season's going nowhere yeah. this is doing my head in I'm watching all this I'm watching this rubbish for 30 years again This is you're absolutely driving me to distraction but seasons where it don't, doesn't get going are actually more common since certainly since 2003 in a league sense they're more common than the ones where it does mm. yeah Stick around, there's plenty more to discuss, including goalkeepers, which is Dev's favourite topic. There will be rugby throughout the course of the week. Don't forget on Thursday night, Louisa and uh, Roy were here. Hang on, Neil. I'll take issue with this. I don't like rugby union. I used to play it uh, when I was in school, and I enjoyed playing it. But uh, did you see... Japan, South Africa, sensational, Abs- my boy. No, absolutely not. Because sports and drama. Because rugby union should be destroyed. There's no, <laughs> there's no compromise here. I do not watch rugby oh, union. I don't allow it into my life. The only thing I like is, what, the, is the red colour that Wales play. There was a 96 year old Japanese woman in the crowd crying her eyes out. This well, was, it, was so, it was. She needs to take honestly. an interest in rugby league or go and do something else. <laughs> Um, and even that, I mean, rugby league's touch and go, but you allow rugby league on a, on a variety of levels, uh, mainly to give people from uh, from from from, um, from places like Wigan something to do. Suburbs, uh, <laughs> the leafy suburbs. Yeah, give them something to do. Yeah. But um, but on the whole, no, I'm, I'm, I've got a strong, strong uh, anti-rugby union uh, stance. Stronger or uh, just equal with the Hodgson stance? They're quite similar. <laughs> Are they really? They're quite similar in terms of not not least because of also what they say about uh, the state of the nation of England. So it's uh, yeah, very. So you know the way. Clive Woodward's had a like, vested interest in Southampton one year. If Roy Hodgson took an interest in the England Rugby Union Absolutely team, will do. You, you, you would actually. <laughs> form, time, I already know he would do. You would organise a mass suicide. Yeah, well, it would be, that's what it would be like. I, yeah. couldn't, I couldn't bear that sort of thing. If you're, if you're into egg chasing, uh, Thursday night, get yourself in, Great. six o'clock, in touch. Uh, Roy Basnett will be here and Louise will be here, obviously, to discuss everything that's going on with the Super 8s. Now then, we move on from that into the world of football. Question for you two, seeing as that uh, uh, the red goalkeeper is under uh, scrutiny at this moment in time, and uh, you are quite vocal with the blue goalkeeper. Who's got the better one? We've got the better one. Yeah. Have you seen the other fella? We've got the better goalkeeper. Hey, hang on a minute. He's player at month. He's being voted left, well, right, and centre. He's the I, main well, man. He's keeping you in football matches. Howard's the main man. Well, I don't know how he got played of the month. It, it, it baffles me. I mean, he had one good performance away at Spurs. Uh, obviously, he was... Some, some... Meanwhile, Everton centre-halves have been brilliant. Exactly. Well, that's the other point as well to make, isn't they it? They have I mean, been really good, I was going to rave about them a little bit later on. Our centre-halves have been absolutely brilliant. Uh, but... 
I don't know he's got player of the month. Uh, having said that, I do concede he's done nothing wrong for the last three games. Would you swap him for Simon Minule? Yes. You would? Yes. After uh, his flap yesterday? Yes. I've seen, I've seen far worse. Far worse. And the, thing about Mignolet, the thing about Mignolet that I liked, and, and I mentioned this a lot last season, uh, he was in the doldrums in, in, in uh, at certain points last year, wasn't he? He was taken out the side, Brad Jones was put in, yeah. and it looked like that was curtains for him. Uh, we were going to get to January and Liverpool were going to reinvest in another goalkeeper, and that would be bye-bye Simon Mignolet. The lad fought for his place. The lad... Uh, he was thr- he was thrown back in nil, wasn't he? Because Brad Jones got injured away at Burnley. Away at Burnley, um, and he was put back in. Although his manager didn't want him to. Now that to me is probably the lowest point you can reach. Your manager's got to play you because you're the goalkeeper who he thinks is better than you because you've been dropped. Is in, injured? injured yeah. just, just, just to clarify this, by the way, Brad Jones uh, went to Bradford on a free transfer. Hasn't played yet. Has hasn't he? played yet. No. That's how bad Brad Jones yeah. is. Uh, yeah, I'll agree really, with that. That's well, really bad. I'd have to him out ahead of Brad Jones, let me say that, by the way. But anyway, it, this this lad uh, it, it hit rock bottom and he, he really sort of took my admiration from that point onwards because he started playing really, really well for Liverpool. Well, His distribution has always been shocking. Hmm. Um, I think it's fair to say that. He's doing my head in. Yeah. Um, but as a shot stopper, I think he's better than Tim And, and listen, no, nobody disagrees regarding his shot stopping, but it's, there's a lot more to the game of goalkeeping than that. Now, this oh, week... Well, you say that. It's, 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 uh, we, had, we had Brian Gunn, Nor- legendary Norwich goalkeeper and Scottish goalkeeper. We had him on St. and Snods at the weekend and we were talking about the basic fundamentals of goalkeeping and how much they've changed over the years. And he was saying that goalkeeping skills as in the basics as in handling shot stopping coming for crosses that's all suffered uh, because managers are so focused and so intent on getting players to distribute the ball properly right. and be part of the back four or five whatever it is uh, and, and be a part of the team passing it out from the back mm-hmm. um, and, and, and it was really interesting to hear his take on it because the fundamentals for me are still exactly the same I don't I, I don't mm. if, if Tim if Tim Howard's Towing him into the Bullens Road every week. I'll gladly have him do that if he can catch a ball from across. If he doesn't come out flapping, I'll gladly have him do that if he moves towards the ball when a shot hit towards goal. <laughs> that is the sacrifice I'd make because, in my eyes, it's not a sacrifice if that's what the fundamentals of goalkeeping are. Is is Bogdan going to get a shot midweek this week? I, is he going? Is he going to play? I think so, but then I'd be very, very surprised if he starts ahead of. Um, well, let's say he has a world. Yeah, let's say he has, has a argument. If he has a worldie against Carlisle, yeah, 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 then we've got real <laughs> problems. You know what I mean? If if, if Adam Bogdan and this. Is part the problem that Adam Bogdan will have is that you know if, if at home at Anfield Adam Bogdan is called upon to have a worldie, then I think we you know there's greater issues of play than who starts in goal for Liverpool. Yeah. But is, is is he a contender now? Because Tony Barrett asked Brendan this yesterday. He said is Mini later blame for the goal. Rogers refused to blame him. He said there was a lot of other issues. Yeah, which he shouldn't be doing. Um, but do you think he's a serious contender? Is he a contender? Brad no. Jones wasn't, and he still and got a game. Was. No, but I think that was because there was there was. I think Mignolet was really, really in a bad place. Maybe he's going to end up really in a bad place, and Bogdan becomes a, a contender. But I don't think but so. Bogdan's not a bad goalkeeper, is he? Yeah, I don't. I don't. He had a really good game against Liverpool for Bolton, didn't he? Yeah, but he was, sub, he was subkeeper for Bolton. They were bringing him in for those exactly. games. And they finished. Well, where, where did they finish? Sixteenth, seventeenth in the in the championship. That's where he's come from, hasn't he? This so he's, is, he's not world class, is he? This is where I think I think there's a real. Again, this is back to the, ta- the, the, the high wire conversation, the tightrope conversation. 
I think Liverpool could sort of do with a goalkeeper who's an absolute loon. And, and Robert Yeah, well, I think Robert because this is where I, I'm intrigued by Brian Gunn there talking about the fundamentals of goalkeeper have never been different. But you think about Liverpool, got rid of Tommy Lawrence to bring in Ray Clements because they wanted a goalkeeper who could step out a bit more and do more from mm. the back. That's he was what a terrible wanted. distributor of the ball, wasn't he? And, and they got Clements, and Clements was, but he was a brilliant goalkeeper and he came for more stuff and all this sort of stuff. And then when they decided that Clements, Clements's race was run, they brought Grabbelar in. And I've been watching some more matches recently for some of the coverage of stuff that we do. And the thing I love Grob, he's nuts. Well, this is the thing. <laughs> but the thing is, he sees the entirety of the 18-yard boxes as property. Yeah. I can come for anything, anywhere, at any time. Mm. And I'm going to do it. And I'm going to do it all the time. It's all my property. And I think that that's something which... Uh, is underrated in that he might make a mess of a few of them, but everyone knows he's going to do it. And so, and he's got the, he had the speed off over the ground and yeah. the leap, even though he wasn't that big a goalkeeper, the leap to just come yeah. and come and come and come. And this is something which I think is sort of is is maybe what Liverpool needs. And I always remember Ferguson was very big on the idea that as goal, you're looking for in a goalkeeper, you're looking for a character as much as for a goalkeeper. That's yeah. why he ended up with some of the keepers he ended up with. And I sort of wonder whether or not, you know, Liverpool have got to go, what is it that we actually want from a goalkeeper? Well, we do want him to be able to do the distribution stuff, mm. but we also want him to be an absolute head case because we <laughs> think that's going to help. Yeah. And that then, again, it's, it's but it's the idea of what you, what you can't do if you're Liverpool, what you're not in a position to do is say, we want the best goalkeeper in the world because we can buy him. No, we can't. Do you know what? Yeah. Do you We've know got to say we want a goalkeeper who's really good at these things and the idea that he's yeah. and the idea that he's saying maybe isn't quite in the shake-up. Do you know what's funny? You, you mentioned about, like, do you see the 18-yard boxes, the property. How often do you see goalkeepers actually handling the ball outside of the six-yard box now? Exactly. You really don't, do you? don't see keepers chasing out. Larissa at Spurs, maybe, does a little bit of that sort of sweeper-keeper thing, but... Other than that, you see, you see goalkeepers largely used to the line, petrified of what's going to come their way. And and how was the case in point, wasn't he? When uh, Everton played Man City, he could have cleared Sammy and Azri out, took the ball, uh, everything with him, and uh, no one would have batted an eyelid, not least the referee. Um, but he, he was petrified to come out, mm. and uh, I, I just think it's, the dynamic of it's probably changed. But then again, it, it might not have. I'm, I'm talking from an Everton point of view. I don't know go, go, good goalkeeping. Well, <laughs> no, well, you, you should know about good goal. I mean, but there was <laughs> going to be a kick at the end of that. But there was a period in the 1980s where Everton had the best goalkeeper in the world. Yeah, yeah. the best goalkeeper in the world was Neville Southall. Mm. He could be, he could be the best goalkeeper ever to play football in England, which is you know quite an accolade given the fact that if you do the list of people who've done that, not just the English keepers but people like Peter Schmeichel, mm. you know, he could be the best goalkeeper ever to play football. Ball in England, Neville Southall. He was integral to Everton's 84-85 winning side. But then the next year, Liverpool did the double with Bruce Grobelar in goal. And there's this run that Liverpool have in 85-86 in February where Grobelar makes, makes makes bad mistakes for goals in four or five consecutive games. And people would supposedly at the time would say, you know, it might have to drop him. Dalglish might have to drop Grobelar here because it's got that bad. But the thing is, there's a lot to be said for people who make decisions for you. People who've decided stuff already, i.e. I am going to come for this. This is going to happen. Mm. And if you're a footballer, I think, certainly as a defender, one of the things you want in your life is certainty. Absolutely. Certainty. You know he's coming. You know he's coming. So therefore, you make your decisions based upon... You can then actually begin to think, what am I going to do if he drops it? If he misses it or if he drops it? That's what's in your mindset. Not, he might be coming, he might not. I don't know, I might get a call. And I think that that's something which... you know, And and also, I think goalkeepers themselves, they want that certainty. So one of the best things that Benitez did with Reina when Reina arrived was Benitez, Reina and Reina's goalkeeper coach sat down, they had a conversation, and they decided, he's punching everything that's it 
That's it. He's really? not catching. He's not catching a cross. He's punching everything. So even stuff where people go afterwards, unless it was right into his midriff. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Of course, yeah. so it's above his head. It's getting punched. But for his first year, year and a half at Liverpool, yeah. it was decided he punches I everything. Didn't know that. So then everyone knows. So then if you're the defenders, you know he's not going to catch this. He's yeah, not yeah. even thinking about catching You're this. thinking it's second ball. Punched. You're thinking second ball. And I think that one of the problems that, that that's happened, I think, for Liverpool and Mignolet since he's been at Liverpool is that Mignolet himself, I don't think, I think when he's at his, at his poorest, it's when he's at his least decisive. And there's not in quite enough consistency mm. in terms of does he want to just stay on his line and take it easy? Doesn't he? If so, what should he, what's the right thing to do? What's the wrong thing to do in that instance? And then I think you've got the entire issue issue around his distribution, which just drives you mad because he doesn't kick the ball like a footballer. And you know, there's the, you can have patience for this sort of thing, but when you're watching it for the you know for the for, for, for a year and a half and it literally doesn't improve, you just feel like saying, why, why can I kick it further than you? All the footballs you've kicked in your life, you know the ten thousand hours thing of Malcolm Gladwell, yeah, yeah. you do something for ten thousand hours, you'll be the best at it you'll ever be. He's been kicking balls straight for ten thousand hours, and that's as good as it as good as it <laughs> as he is. That just seems absolutely mad. It seems absolutely mad. Why? Yeah, I really do. I think you've got to be very careful about this sort of sentence as a football supporter. But I think I can kick the ball 50 yards better than Simon Mignolet. I really am quite convinced <laughs> I can kick the ball We're better. We're going to get it in. We're going to get it on. Uh, you listen to Radio City Talk. Stick around because I want to uh, ask Dev whether uh, a point away at Swansea after recent results is good or whether uh, he's slightly disappointed. Stick around. This is Gaz and this is Lecky. Gaz and Lecky are currently out of control. They run around our homes all day, burning energy. But we don't know exactly how much they're really using, or what the bill will be. It's crazy. That's why from now until 2020, every home in Britain can upgrade to a smart meter from their energy supplier at no extra cost. This will let us see exactly how much energy we're using in pounds and pence. It's time to get Gaz and Lecky under control. For more information on the smart meter rollout, go to smartenergygb.org. Right, have you got your helmet? Yes. Your knee pads, your lights, reflect. We like to think Sainsbury's Bank Premier Home Insurance looks after your home as much as you look after your family. It's de facto five-star rated. Take out a new policy directly online from sainsburysbank.co.uk now and we'll even look after Nectar card holders with up to 35% introductory discount. Sainsbury's Bank, taking care of what matters. Got your coat? Mum, I'm only going next door. Underwritten by UK Insurance Limited, 20% of Nectar card holders who are Sainsbury shoppers and purchase directly online achieve the maximum discount between December 2014 and May 2015. Exclusions and minimum premiums apply. I'm telling you, Texas Red in the 3.30 and Princess Glum in the 4.15. Uh, I'm going for Blissful Blue in the bathroom and Green Ivy in the lounge. Be a winner with 30% off Dulux Trade and Armstead Trade Tinted Colours at Dulux Decorator Centre. With over 14,000 colours available, we the expertise you need to choose your perfect shade. So for colour, your best bet's Dulux Decorator Centre. Dulux Decorator Centre, with you on every job. Between the 1st of September and 31st of October, see in store or online for details. Ryanair fly to more European destinations than BA. What's more, we have 28% lower average fares on the same routes as EasyJet. No surprise then that out of every million passengers, Ryanair receives the fewest complaints. Ryanair, low fares made simple. Prices checked August 28th based on comparable routes September to January 2016. See ryanair.com en slash compare. Okay, sweetie. Time to come out of the bath. Don't worry. Mummy's here. Let's wrap you up so you don't get cold. Does that feel nice? All snug in there like a bug in a rug. Life insurance from Legal and General. Because now it's about more than just you. And you'd want them looked after. Whatever happened. Help protect the ones you love from £6 a month. That's about 20p a day. 
Find out more at legalandgeneral.com slash life. Subject to eligibility and exclusions. City Talk 105.9. Get the latest travel update online now at citytalk.fm. Your house smells. Don't get me wrong. Everyone's house smells. It's one of the things that makes your house your home. But when we had a house fire, that smell wasn't there anymore. Just a melted plastic stench that got into our clothes, the curtains, our bedding. Now, thanks to Lloyds Bank, our home smells like home again. They got all the right people in to sort it out. It was like they were going through it with us. They get lots of training so they know exactly who to go to, right down to finding a specialist at getting rid of bad smells. A job I never knew existed. And now our house just smells normal. You can't overestimate the joy of normal. Search Lloyds Bank Home Insurance today. Lloyds Bank, by your side for 250 years. Radio City Talk Travel Update With motorpoint.co.uk Choose from 4,000 low mileage Nearly new cars As you are heading on Regent Street That's been blocked in both directions in Wrexham That's because of an accident between Bradley Road And Crispin Lane Just by where the railway bridge is That's causing problems tonight Also the Western Point Expressway That's been another slow one That's coming from the Runcorn Bridge Through to the Western Link Getting through those roadworks East Langs has got queues there That's between Adderley Way and the M6 at Junction 23 at Haydock. Also, Speak Road, that's another heavy one as you're heading around by Speak Hall Avenue and Mersey Rail all back and running now between Hooton and Chester after earlier problems. Radio City Talk. Adam Catterall on Radio City Talk. Uh, evening, it is ten to six. Still quite a lot to come before the Legends tonight at uh, half past six. I'm Adam Catterall. Uh, Neil's here from the Anfield Wrap. Dev's here from uh, the Everton Blue Room. Obviously, Liverpool uh, Football Club have taken up quite a lot of the conversation uh, for the first part of the show. <laughs> I think it's only fair that we get into uh, the blue half. Recent results. Are you a bit disappointed that you got, you've only got a point away at uh, Swansea? Are you quite happy with that? Um, uh, it's both a valid answer. I, I think both is a valid answer because uh, you look how the game played out. We, we missed some great chances. Lukaku missed the sitter. Uh, Galloway actually <laughs> in an attacking sense was really good, and he missed a couple of chances as well. Um, from that point of view, I, I am a bit gutted. Having said that, if I'm sitting here five to what, whenever it was five to twelve on last Saturday, and and you're telling me that I'm going to take four points from Chelsea at home and Swansea away. I'd probably bite your hand off. So mm. uh, it, it's funny the way that mm. psychological thing works because having got the three against Chelsea, I'm thinking that if we don't win at Swansea, it's a bit of a momentum killer. Uh, and, and I'm tending to sort of lean towards. I was going to ask you that next. Is that where you're at now? Yeah, <sighs> I, I am. But, you know, you look at the, the league table. Um, and, and if the, the points were to matter at this stage, which I don't think they necessarily do, given the opposition we've played at the moment, I think we're massively ahead of where I would have expected us to be, given the fixtures we've had. Yeah, I think that's dead fair. I, I, I think a point against Swansea is. A, I think it's always it's a good point, and I think that it's they've a good, started really well. They're a good side. Mm. I mean, they're going to come top ten. You'd be really surprised if they were in the top ten mm. at the end of the season. They're going to be in around the areas where Everton uh, are hoping and likely to finish. I.e., somewhere between I'd say between fifth and eleventh is where Everton should be expecting to finish. Mm. One in one of those positions there so if you if you go into the, 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 those sides you're in direct competition with and you take a point off them you're stopping them from getting three and then the key thing is in the return fixture Goodison beat them mm-hmm. and then you're up on them and I I think I think it's a good point I can understand why Evertonians are a bit frustrated I understand the momentum thing but you know there's there's a lot to be said in, in you know if you want to write down a theory of football in you know win at home and keep clean sheets mm-hmm. away and you'll have a good season well the thing that gets on my nerves is I don't know how football teams don't score a goal in 90 minutes <laughs> I really don't and we've done it 
three times this season already. Uh, two nil nil draws. We didn't even look likely of scoring against Spurs away. This game was a bit different. We actually missed chances, chances that were on a plate, genuine chances, um, which, which you know doesn't look great for Lukaku, who's. I don't think he's struggled, but I don't think he's been involved as much as he'd like to have been recently. Uh, and, and I think the manager sort of neglected looking at that as, a, as an issue in the team when when he's picked basically the same eleven that he's had to. Yeah. By that I mean he has. Obviously we haven't been unchanged, but the changes he's had to make have been enforced. As in, we've put Browning in for Coleman against Swansea. Obviously Coleman's injured, and uh, Naismith gets a start because Bessic is injured. Obviously from the Chelsea yeah. game. So. Um, you, we, the last two weeks we've started with Morales, De La Feu and Lennon on the bench and for a team that had largely cried out for a lot of width last season I think that's a bit of a bit of a mishap from the manager because and Pest yeah exactly a lot of pest, it? it is and it changes the dynamic of the team as well Adam and you know we, we, I don't know we're going to get on to Morales' red card which, is, which I think is petulant but the fact that he's getting on the pitch with seconds left um, ultimately boils down to a lot of frustration for him coming on, trying to make an impact. Is that what it away. is? Do you think? Do you think he's just, I, I he's think just wound a, up like uh, he's on the bench? I, Similar, probably maybe to Stevie G against uh, Man United, um, wound up on the bench. No, I, I think Steve, Stephen Gerrard not wound up on the bench. Stephen Gerrard probably wanted to do the best for his team. I think with Morales, he's a bit different. I think it was it was a bit childish what he did because uh, he's obviously come on like a bull in the china shop. Mm. Um, when you know there was, there was no need to, there's no need to go in to win the ball in the way in which he did, and I think that's a little bit to do with his, his character, a bit sulky sort of ego would suggest that he wanted to make an impact on the game, and he spat the dummy out when he hasn't been able to do so. I think that's what what Kevin Morales is all about, uh, and he misses the derby now because of it, and he's he's had a real good effect for Everton in derbies in recent years. Yeah, that's a bit of a, a blow for us, but uh, the Dale Fay one really gets me because the first season he was here. Uh, he was used in the way which he is now. Well, probably more so given the opening six games. I think he saw about 45. He's, he's, he had one half of football at Barnsley in the Capital One Cup. Other than that, I think he's had about 20 minutes in total. Yeah. Um, Why is that? Why, what's the manager's excuse <coughs> for not using I, it? I think he's, he sees him, and, and it, it is strange when you consider the line he's taken with Barkley since he's been at the club. Mm. Um, I, I think he sees him as a bit of a, of a risk playing him, to be honest with you, and I'm not sure why. I think Martinez of the first year was, was quite bold of them um, a lot of fans would probably say he didn't play him enough even then but I think he had something like 18 starts and 15 substitute appearances in his first year he, he obviously set the world alight when he was at Everton a lot of people wanted him permanently he's come back now I thought that would have been him as a permanent fixture in the side yeah, absolutely. given the fact that he was the player that we up until the deadline day that we'd only spent money on uh, the only play we'd spent money on throughout the whole summer, I thought that would have been a shoe in for him to get into the side. Uh, given given how lacklustre and and staggered we were last season, uh, and, and it hasn't come to fruition. Uh, Lennon, same, uh, you know, lightning quick. Uh, we, it gives us a chance to play with real pace on either flank. Dale Fay could probably be just as competent playing off Lukaku as well, maybe a little bit deeper in a central position. Morales certainly can play that way as well. So I don't know where... It's OK sticking with Kone. Kone's been great so far this season. I can't really fault him. Up until the Swansea game, I thought he was quite poor. Um, I don't see why Martinez hasn't mixed things up a little bit more. It might be it might be the idea that he's gonna. There's there's different ways to do rotation. There's different ways to do a season. It might well be that Martinez is thinking, <clears throat> I'm gonna give them a run of games 
come November, December. You know what I mean? So we're, good, we're, we're currently aiming their fitness. You know yeah. what's going on behind the scenes? You oh, yeah, yeah. Aiming their fitness is the idea of, right, you know, because I think football's still got this problem where it's the only thing that expects fo- footballers to be at the peak for nine months. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, you look. I would, the example I always use is Grand Slam tennis. Those lads peak four times a year. Yeah. That's the aim of them. That's what they're there to do. You know, you look at an Olympics, it's every four years. Yeah. I think the you know, I think in football we expect all of them to all be at the peak for nine months. And it might be that, you know, and, and Ferguson was brilliant at this, it might be that, you know, Martinez has got an eye on, right, for this bank of games, I'm going with these lads. But for the next bank of games, and in the meantime, these lads, they're training mm. from the point of view of the fact that they're going to hit the ground running. And De La Feu is quite an interesting physical proposition. Mm. Might be something that's in his head there, he's trying to build them up or get them to do more of this or, or train them differently. Sometimes I think you don't know about this and it might be that, you know, suddenly you come with a run. I think the problem with that, though, when you try and do that, if you're an insecure manager for any one of a variety of reasons, it's easy for Ferguson to do that because he's Alex Ferguson. It could be that, you know, elsewhere, Everton, if they get a bad result and then another bad result, what we've seen managers do in the past is they go, I'm going to stick with the lads I know. Mm. I'm not going to take a gamble. Which is what he did last season. Which is what he did last season. So it might be that that's in your mind, but then suddenly when the pressure's on and you're picking the team on the Friday night for the game against Saturday that you feel you must win or that you're going to get down the banks, Mm. you stick with the lads you know. But I do wonder sometimes if that's sort of what's in the mindset there is we're going going to come with the, the thing with the the, the Cody thing, I think, is really interesting because I, I do wonder sometimes that does Martinez persist with him simply to try and justify the fact that he's in the team and try to sort of justify to the, obviously the fan base. Not that, but the fact that he was bought for I think it was six million pounds from Wigan. Um, we all know his background. That hardly kicked the ball, uh, missed up teen sitters, and I mean genuine sitters from like two, three yards out, and this lad's hitting the post, um, and and. I look at that and I think, well, does Martinez feel as if he needs to justify the fact that he's getting a game? Mm. Does he need to justify the fact that he spent money on this lad and he is, in fact, a decent player? Does he need to prove to everybody or, or does that he that's to, the case? Does he need and, a lad to get games, Dave? Yeah, because, but I think that, then he can rotate and once he's used to being yeah, an Everton player. Well, this is what I'm getting on to because the, the, the fact of the matter is he has proven himself in the, in the first six this season. I think he's been really good. Uh, won us the game at Southampton, got us a point against Watford on the opening day yeah. when the chips were down. Um, he, he's... He's played his way into the side. I'm not saying that. I just think the persistence with him, um, and, and and Martinez always used to come across to me as a, a manager who would make change when it was necessary. You don't want him to get comfortable, is what you're saying. Yeah, you want, but you I, want that diamond, diamond, diamondism, <laughs> dynamism. <laughs> I'd say on the radio, I've had that problem a few yeah. times. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I'd like to see him mix it up a little bit earlier in a game. Uh, I.e., Morales is coming on for a matter of seconds to try and affect the game. I don't really see why that is. Um, but, you know, to to, to summarise it all up, I mean, it's been a decent start. Absolutely, like, yeah. Sixth place in the league, nine points from six games, uh, having played some really, really difficult fixtures so far. Got West Brom, then the Derby, then United, then Arsenal, and then things go, <laughs> things get a little bit more easier uh, after that on paper, certainly, anyway. So, I'm... I'm yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm impressed with the start. We'll continue talking Everton, um, mainly centre-arts, because I think they've both been brilliant, and then mm-hmm. we'll get on to uh, uh, the League Cup, and where uh, both of you two see your sides um, performing this week, and obviously going forward into the season. It's six o'clock, we'll get your news in a minute. Radio City Talk. Uh, coming up towards ten past six on your, uh, on your Monday evening, uh, don't forget it's the Legends at half past six. Um, obviously, when it is the Legends, uh, Dave Downing from the Everton Blue Room decides to uh, bin me off. Uh, because obviously he prefers to hang out with the uh, big celebs. 
I know, he hangs out with a big celeb. So it's uh, just me and Neil from uh, the Anfield Rap. You're going to have to uh, double up and do Everton as well, mate, if that's happy, right with you. Happy to always be nice about Everton, and it's nice that you can get to be nice about Everton at the moment. They're playing really well. I think Dave's actually under, underplayed the quality of that start, if you look at the fixtures that they've had. I think they've done really well indeed, and I think that it's it's testament to sort of keeping their heads. I think the 3-0 at Southampton is just a massive boost. You know, it's the sort of fixture that really... It, it, it's a marker fixture. Again, this is the thing about the Swansea game, is that, you know, you've now gone to Southampton, you'd expect them to finish between 5th and 11th yeah. you've gone to Swansea you expect them to finish between 5th and 11th and Everton haven't conceded a goal at either and I think that that's something you know that's a real we can build on this and then obviously there's there's the boost of the results against Chelsea and before you know where you are you sort of you know that's 7 of your 8 points and you're going to always be in and out across the course of a season from an Everton point of view if you're going to be if you're going to come in that sort of patch you're going to be a bit in and out but you've got to make hay when the sun shines and if Swansea are a bit poor you've got to make sure they don't they don't get a cheap win against you certainly if you if there's a little period of time where you're down to ten, mm. uh, but I think I I I think that Everton can, you know, there's there's another couple of games for them still to get through. But the the worry would have been that come when they get through those games, there's then more straightforward fixtures where they've got to really pick the points up. But the worry was that those games were going to be fraught with stress Absolutely. because because they you, have to, yeah. Whereas now they've they've got enough of a little buffer for themselves already. You know, obviously it's a big home game against West Brom. Take they, well, they can play naturally. They can play with that freedom, can't they? Yeah, and, and so you know, you then you're up against West Brom, you can back yourselves, play some good football, get the result there. The derby's the derby. You know, I think the way this tends to work is that you'd often just take a point. It might be that they sense Liverpool are vulnerable and feel they can get all three, but you get then get through the derby, whichever way it goes, if you're Everton, and then you move from there into the rest of the season, and and suddenly you know if you are on 11, 12, possibly even fourteen points come this next the next hmm. the next international break you can cut loose and that's it's a nice place to be we'll get on to the derby in a minute because I know you're going on your holidays so therefore I'm, uh, I'm obviously going to miss the build up the build up the build up to that derby with yourself so we'll get to that in a minute just a quick one on the uh, League Cup this week obviously yeah. you're in action they're in action as well Everton uh, have got Reading uh, I think they play tomorrow now and you're on Wednesday night is that right? yeah the home or away against Reading I they're should know this they're away from home I thought they were away from home but Reading are saying they're going to make a few changes this is the weird thing now about club football about, about cup football well, sorry. Wait, wait, Where's your as a fan? Where's your mentality out towards this competition? I want Liverpool to to not take it at all seriously and win it. What? Not take it at well, all seriously. Let me, rephr- let me phrase it the right way. What I want, <laughs> I want Liverpool to take it deadly seriously. But I actively, I would like there to be a League Cup squad. And I always yeah. think, I think that what you should so do. So the likes is, of Bogdan to come into the nets and yeah. But I think also, I think, I think you want to find the right balance between getting certain senior players who aren't featuring week in week out, get them in and, and surround them with, with 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 seven youngsters and almost go right. This is the thing that you're doing. So what would you play then so against Carlisle? Uh, against this week? well, again, Liverpool are now in a funny position because are they going to play a back three? Going to play a back four. We don't know the answer to that yet. Well, let's say he does exactly what he did yesterday and starts with a three. I think if he starts with a three, I think you should certainly be looking to get Joe Gomez in, a, in one of the centre back positions. Uh, and then I think from there, I don't think he should play Sacco. Um, so I think he's now in a weird position where he's got to play someone on that left side. It might not suit. Um, Would that be Joe Gomez me? with him starting? Uh, I think he may right? well put Gomez there. So he puts Gomez there. It wouldn't quite suit him, but it might be good enough. I'd keep Emre Chan in. I'd give him a chance, yeah, just to just and, and and to build on how well he played uh, the other day against uh, against Norwich, and then I think through the middle of that, if if Tory's fit, you play Tory. If he isn't, you play Lovren. Uh, so Tory's meant to be a few games, so you pop Lovren yeah. in there, and then that's your back three, um, and then you're looking to with Bogdan as the keeper. Or would Bogdan, you? Or would I'll you... go with Bogdan as the keeper. Home, right. against, home against Carlisle, he's got to get his debut somewhere. It's a better place than any. And then in front of that, a lot of it comes down to the fitness of the lads. I think obviously Lallana does start against Bordeaux, doesn't start um, against 
Norwich, so you suspect he's going to start in there somewhere. Uh, I would definitely be looking at Rossiter and giving him another go after what he did against Bordeaux, so you'd probably go with Rossiter, and I'd be tempted to go Rossiter Lallana in the centre of that midfield, um, and I'd then be looking to sort of to, to get Jordan Ibe on the pitch, I'd be looking to get Origi on the pitch, I'd be looking to get Ings on the pitch, um, so all of those lads I'd be looking to get a start to, and then you're sort of beginning to wonder, is there someone else knocking around who can do something for your left wing back, because this is one of the issues with this shape what I was saying before you know they've not bought for this mm. you know I, I think that left midfield role is a little difficult so maybe you put Lallana there and drop someone else into the centre of the park it could be that you go with Rossiton and Shilavella as they did so well against um Against Bordeaux anyway, and you you pick the pair of them again in centre midfield, and maybe go Lallana left or Lallana. I think the two young lads did quite well against Bordeaux. I thought they did really well, and I think it's it's something that you know that that ended up being a real youth side for Liverpool. Bordeaux got a two-two draw there previously game against Paris Saint Germain, and mm. they didn't make a raft of changes. You know they 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 picked their strongest eleven to beat Liverpool, and they only they only ended up losing that game because the keeper made a couple of mistakes in that in that match. That's why it was a, to a piece. So they were a decent side. They were a decent side. You know, the, the, so I think that Liverpool could maybe look at Rossiter and Schillevella and go with them again. Mm. Maybe then that means that's, it's Lallana behind the front two. I'd like to... I think the big thing you can take from the... Does Sturridge game, have to play? No. Absolutely not. I actually, you, do, you don't play? Even I, though he's, he's desperate for match fitness? No, I'd give him half an hour at the end. But I think you've... The, one of the things you've got with this is is the way in which you've got to treat Sturridge between games. This Cotton, wool him up. Yeah, bu- you've got bubble to... Bubble wrap him to the max. So you can therefore... You know, the way in which, uh, the way in which they do this is it's 48 hours recovery, 24 you do physical work, and then the next 24 you actually try to rest them completely for players like Daniel Sturridge. So if you play him against Carlisle, it means that he's got no time to work before the Villa game. Yeah. Thir- you lose 30, you lose Friday, and then the Villa game Saturday. The Villa game's the priority. You can maybe give him half an hour, but I think that you want to be able to work with him throughout the whole week. And what was really interesting about the Bordeaux game uh, was that O'Driscoll and McAllister were not on the Liverpool bench. They didn't go to Bordeaux. They stayed behind to work with the players who weren't there, who weren't in that group. So you've got this idea that you're able to do constant prep with these players yeah, with the yeah. league game. And that's something that Liverpool struggled with at times last season when it was the Champions League. So I think you've got to be quite drastic. But what I'd then do is I'd be saying to these lads, listen, if it's United away next round, if we get United away, you're playing again. And what I mean there is build this idea that whatever this group is, this is the group that takes you certainly to the semi-finals, yeah. that we're going to take it seriously. We're, we're deadly serious. We're deadly serious in our preparation. You want to win every game you go into, but we're not going to compromise around these lads. You're our lads for this. And it's something Benitez did really well, 0405 in his first season. You know, he took a real... We got Spurs away and we won't, We went through on penalties fourth or fifth round. And he took a real team of kids. I mean, a real team of... There was, there I probably think I remember that, yeah. Yeah, there probably wasn't 18 starts between the between the, 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 the 15... Sorry, the, the, the 15 starts between the 15 for Liverpool that he takes, but they play. Mm. And they do. The, they also go to Millwall and, you know, and it's, it's a tough place to go for all the obvious reasons. They go to Spurs but what they do is they build their own sense of team spirit almost like a squad within a squad where mm. the lads who are doing this and that's a really good thing I think it's a good thing for a football team and then everyone feels as though we can go and do this I think if everyone's fit I'd, I'd be of the opinion you, you probably play Lucas and Rossiter and you have the senior have a senior head right through the spine you have one going right the way through the other player I've not mentioned there who might be worth getting 90 minutes to uh, is Firmino Absolutely, so yeah. He could play Firmino behind Ings and Origi. In a position that he fancies, yeah. Yeah, play, play, and play Lallana central midfield, or Lallana left, and play the two young lads and play Firmino through there. And I think he could do with, I thought he did well when he came on against Norwich, but I think he could do with sort of getting the ball a little bit more and, and getting on the ball and playing against the Porter side, getting his first Liverpool goal. I think he could do with that, the security of that. If it becomes two goals, then maybe you have a look at You just give him 60 because you might start him against Villa. Mm. Get his confidence up, but I thought he did well against Norwich, so I'd like to see him play. And 
And yeah, I mean, Sturridge could go either way. You might decide that Sturridge is more important that he gets 60 minutes of competitive football than not having not had a pre-season. But I completely understand holding him back and saying you're going to play against, against Villa. You're going to play against Villa. You're going to play against Everton. The, ga- the gaps in between, they're not for you. If you were an Evertonian and you were looking at their game against uh, Reading tomorrow night, how would you want them to set up? Obviously, you just mentioned two different uh, teams or squads from a Liverpool point of view. Do you think Everton need to go all out and play their first 11 every single time in this competition? No, but I think that they should be maybe slightly more... Uh, I think firstly being away from home, I think it slightly makes more obvious in we're attempting to win this competition. Yeah, I think so. I think I think firstly being away, I think Reading are obviously a couple of divisions above Carlisle. Secondly, it's away from home. Yeah. So I think Everton should be looking to maybe where I'm saying Liverpool should be changing maybe seven, eight. Um, Everton should be changing maybe five, six. But the the very players that Dave's talking about at the moment haven't been involved enough. That you've got out there, you know, you've got Lennon, you've got the Lafayette. Yeah. But this is where the Morales thing, you know, it must be frustrating for for Martinez because I suspect Morales would have featured. In this game, you know the, the managers probably pick this out as, as what he's going to do, and then I think from there it's managing individuals within the squad as to how you want to do it. I think for Everton, again the recovery thing, I think, but you pick your pet first choice back too. You pick those two centre backs because they're such good players, and also the rock. You don't give them a rest. No, you have. I think you have the mentality of that they, they know. The, the, again, where I want Liverpool's attacking play hasn't been good enough. I want these lads in training, improving what they're doing in the final third. Whereas I think that if you Martinez, you can have the attitude of. These two centre halves, no, my best, uh, my best two players this season, and they know what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's, 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 there's places coming up where we can maybe give them a rest. Everton haven't got a game next week. They haven't got a game between West Brom and between, uh, between Liverpool. They're going to get the week off there. We can work there and we can look after them there. Whereas I think you go, we're going to go with these boys because they, they're the rock we build everything on. And then you go from there and you're going to make your changes. You make them around those lads off the basis of the fact that everyone's got a week off next week. So. Everton have got that freedom as well. Liverpool at the minute are looking at every patch. You know, if Liverpool go through against Carlisle, which they should do, then you look at the next interna- the next run between the- after the next international break after Everton and Liverpool have got another run there of seven games where they're playing every midweek. Yeah. So you've got to start to phase this stuff now if you're Liverpool. But if you're Everton, you know, it's only this is the only game in this patch where you've got this midweek responsibility. So I think you can have been pointing them at it a little bit more, expecting it, planning for it, and then you go from there. I refuse to believe now in this day and age that, you know, with one or two exceptions, obviously, but that, you know, if if he was here now and you were obliging him to be honest, he Martinez couldn't have named all of his sides that he ideally wants to pick from the first game of this, this, this international patch to the very last. You know, he'll already have those plans in place and I think part of that will be we've got to do well in this League Cup because I think, you know, you talk to Dave and you talk to Evertonians, they'd love a trophy. Absolutely, yeah. They'd love a League Cup and, they, and you know, the, the, these are, these are long-suffering in one sense, but also they've seen some very good football. But it's been a long time since Everton have had a trophy. It's all well, the way yeah. since '95, and this is. I, I remember it well stuff. because it's a good year for a Blackburn fan in well, 1995. <laughs> exactly, <you know? laughs> exactly, and then there was the charity shield, and then it went from there. <laughs> yeah, but this is this is where it's. You know, I think it would be nice if Everton could get themselves that could get themselves that. Uh, it has. It's too long for a ta- for a, for a club like Everton. It is too long. Twenty years without any silverware. So it's time to get one, and I think that if you Martinez as well, if, in the same way that when we begin to have the Brendan Rodgers conversation before, one of the issues that Brendan Rodgers has got is how do I get them off me back? How do I be able to buy, you know, six months of being able to not worry about my position with reference to the supporters, so on and so forth. 
I think it's harder for Brendan Rodgers now to get an answer to that than it is for Martinez. Of course. I think Martinez is going to win this trophy. Going to win the League Cup. And if Martinez wins the League Cup, then I'm not saying that Everton can down tools from February to May, far from it. But what it says is, right, I've done this thing for you, I now need 12 months, 18 months to do the next thing that we're going to do. And that might be we're building towards coming sixth and then fifth and then fourth. And at times that might frustrate you, but it's going to take a little bit of time. And I think getting putting themselves in that position, I think it'd be great. And, it, you know, it, it's good to have the day out and so on and so forth. Mm. So I think it's a big I think it's a big deal and I, therefore I expect Martinez to pl- to pick a more senior side than Liverpool but then the opposition suggests that that should be the case anyway. With everything that you just mentioned there regarding run of form obviously the uh, gaps in between various games I know that me and you aren't going to speak about uh, the derby because you're going on your holiday so I'm going to take that opportunity now. Yep. Are you worried about it especially with recent history pointing towards you probably uh, getting something out of this game? Um, I think you're worried before any derby because one Everton's a good side, two Goodison Park's a tough place to go. So, you know, it's it's, it's a tough place to go if you're Manchester United. Uh, it's a tough place to go if you're Chelsea, as Chelsea themselves have discovered. So it's a tough place to go for Liverpool. I think it would help Liverpool if... I think Liverpool... The, we went there last season and Martinez was probably having his toughest time as Everton manager and they... And we were doing okay at the time, and they killed the life out of the game, and it was a nil-nil. It was awful. I watched it on TV. Terrible, terrible game, game <laughs> So I think it would help Liverpool if Everton fancied it a bit more. I think if Everton come out and play and look to play quite dynamic football, then I think it suit Liverpool. Not just the idea of picking them off on the break, but just it being a proper football match. I think having as much life as possible. Um, that's I think the main thing Liverpool need is for it to be a football match with life in. So I think. I think there's no such there's 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 not really a run of Everton results that worry me more mm-hmm. going into a derby than any other. Uh, so, but I think that the main thing is, as with a lot of these matches at the moment, a lot of it's going to depend on what Liverpool are doing and how they're performing in themselves. Because Everton, Everton can beat Liverpool, they can beat Chelsea, Everton can beat you know you look up and down this up and, up and down the country, Everton can beat Manchester City. They're really really good. Um, but Liverpool are just going to be better, and I think I think that's the key, the key thing is I think Liverpool have got to be able to relax a little bit more and not play with fear. And I think at the moment the problem they've got is they're playing with a lot of fear. So it might be that by the time the derby comes around with the games they've got, Carlisle, Aston Villa, Sion, they're backing themselves that little bit. You more. would anticipate a hundred percent going into there from the three. You wouldn't, but I'd, I'd, I'd have anticipated a hundred percent before the Norwich, game. the Norwich game as yeah, well. But the Norwich game, it points the way. You can look at the Norwich game. The problem the Norwich game's got, as I said before, is it's got three years of context behind it. What it hasn't got, you know, if you just looked at, as I say, if that had been a new manager and we've had all the results and performances we've got, people would be saying, oh, it's going to be interesting watching what he's going to do with these young lads against Carlisle after what the lad, the load did against with, against Bordeaux. It's going to be interesting watching what he does with the first 11 against Villa after what they've just done against Norwich there because they look like they could become a bit of a team. But he doesn't operate in that vacuum. He operates in the vacuum where there's you know people are angry after 10 minutes where people are frustrated where they want to see more from Liverpool well you're you're talking about frustration and anger and and, and what have you if he doesn't win forget what happens now in uh, against Villa and say next week if he doesn't beat um, Everton the week after how hot does that kitchen start to get I think if he gets beat I think that there's uh, on the whole I still think that Liverpool supporters are accepting that a draw against Everton's never a bad a draw to Goodison is never a bad result absolutely I think that that's but if you go and get beat and you get beat by not performing and playing well exactly then I think that there's, he's, I think he's under huge pressure certainly, again certainly if he hasn't beaten Villa in the meantime I, th- I think that 
if Liverpool lose a Goodson, then there's a there's a, a problem developing, which is that this is where it begins to feel vaguely sort of um, Hodgson-esque of uh, of 2010-11, where there's just no no consistency of performance, and if there's not a performance to go with, yeah. you know, if if we if we batter them, Tim Howard's man of the match, and they well, if it, yeah, if it's five four. Well, I think it's five forty gets made even more. Yeah, yeah. But, um, I think you know if, if we batter them, Tim Howard's man of the match. They save he saves three penalties and they go up the other end and smash and grab on eighty two. Then people might go, oh, but even there though, I'd say, and this is genuinely, and this is I, I've written something on this last few days. You've got key moments in football matches, and at the minute, key, managers can't influence key moments in specifics. You're you referring know, to like Coutinho clean through one on one score, absolutely. Minulay. Punch the corner clear, so on and so <laughs> forth. Uh, the way everyone knocks off uh, Dejan Lovren uh, for the goal, the second goal against West Ham. Absolutely, yeah. The fact that Firmino dra- drills it from 25 yards, it hits the post, it doesn't hit the post and go in, it hits the post and bounces out. These are what I mean by key moments. There's key moments in football matches and managers can't influence whether or not they go for you or against you. But if you're a football manager, one of the things that you should be drilling into your side is the aggregate of key moments has to go in your favour. If you're the better side, the aggregate of them has got to go in your favour. And at the minute, Rodgers is becoming a football manager who's getting pummeled because he's losing key moments. And at some point, the key moment thing, it's either your responsibility, literally, or it's your responsibility responsibility in terms of the, the culture that surrounds the club. And we do an On This Day thing on the Anfield Up Twitter. And we did the highlights of, uh, on this day, Liverpool beat Manchester United by four goals to one in 1990. Uh, with the Peter, it starts the 1990-91 season with a Peter Beardsley hat-trick. And I watched the highlights of this game, and United murdered us. We won 4-1, and United murdered us. 1990-91, first half, Liverpool, it could have been 3-all at half-time. Liverpool going 3-0 up, but it could have been 3-all. It could, on the other hand, have been United. United could have gone in 3-0 up at Anfield. They absolutely, they hit the bar. Grabalar makes a great save. They miss a sitter. It was a great game of football. The other end, Liverpool are cutting United open. Liverpool are winning key moments mm. because that side understands, that Kenny Dalglish coach side understands what it is to win. Whereas the Alex Ferguson coach United side, it's lads like Neil Webb. Lads who never quite got on top it's of... It's now, isn't it? Well, exactly. <laughs> lads who never quite got on top of what key moments are in football matches. It's full, It's a United side that reads like a list of excuses. And this is the worry, if you're Brendan Rodgers now, is that you don't want to you don't want to have that side, the side that loses the key moments in football matches. And it's happening a little bit too much. And if you can change that, You've got to change it quick.